Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Balance Virtually provides full-service financial planning services for small businesses, nonprofits, and startups. We can help you manage your monthly reporting, bank and credit card reconciliations, budget and forecasting, payroll services, and much more. To schedule a consultation with a certified public accountant with over 16 years of experience helping people like you, visit balancevirtually.com. Balance Virtually, your locally owned full-service financial planning service company. Welcome to the Veronica Edwards Show, where we have fun financial conversations that everyone listening can apply to their personal and professional life. I'm your host, Veronica Edwards, and I'm so excited to be back another week here on bizradio.us. As always, I want to thank all of the listeners for continuing to download the podcast after it airs. I really appreciate that as we're continuing to reach more and more listeners. I just appreciate all the love that family, friends, and just listeners of the show have been giving me recently. Um, So I really appreciate that. But today... One of my favorite monthly segments is our CPA chat. Michelle, welcome back as always. Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. And Michelle, I'm going to flip it to you in 2023. And if you can, when we do our CPA chat, just give us a little background about you and your company and how people can find out about your services. Oh, aren't you sweet? Thank you so much. Yeah, so uh, they can find us on the web at www.michelletrotzcpa.com, of course. And what we do is provide accounting and consulting services to small to mid-sized businesses and nonprofits of all sizes, mostly here in the Western North Carolina area, but we also work outside of this area virtually. And uh, we can do just about anything except the lovely income tax returns, right, Veronica? We leave that to those tax experts, those CPAs that specialize in taxes. Exactly. (laughs) Well, in kind of the same vein as taxes, today we're going to be discussing the federal form 1099. Oh, my favorite topic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Now, this show is going to air in the middle of February, and we know that the big 1099 deadline just passed on January 31st for um, 1099 NECs, which has been new in the last, what, two tax seasons? I feel like they made the change in 2020 or 2021. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a few years. I can't recall exactly. I'm still catching myself from saying 1099 and miscellaneous, which we'll talk about a little bit more. But either way, we know that our clients and people that we consult with have so many questions on employee employee versus contractor, which 1099 to use. So today mm-hmm. we're going to talk about what is a 1099 who gets a 1099, and there are multiple different versions of 1099s. So Michelle, who's our 1099 expert, Hmm. she's going to be leading out today's show and just kicking us off with what is a 1099? I love how you uh, phrased that. Uh, I am by far not an expert, but (laughs) we we have uh, been helping our clients uh, for over 10 years, of course, on preparing their 1099s, and it is an annual exercise, I like to say. And as a matter of fact, even after over 10 years of doing this, uh, the team and I are actually going to be getting together in a couple of days to have a debrief. I mean, it's just every year there's something different. Every year it changes. We look at ways that we can improve this process 
for ourselves as well as our clients. Um, but yeah, to start off, you know, let's answer the question for the listeners, really, what is A1099? And I mentioned that we don't do the income tax returns for our clients, which is true, but we do help our clients with these other type of quote-unquote tax returns or tax forms. A 1099 is a reporting mechanism. There's no fees or payment due with these forms that when you file them, but it is the business's way of letting the IRS know that the business paid somebody who is deemed as a non-employee or an independent contractor, um, in this case, more than $600 in the calendar year. And the, and the whole idea behind this is to let the IRS know that this particular individual or non-employee of the organization received this money. And so the IRS is, of course, as you know, in the background, making these connections. Oh, so this business said they paid Michelle Trotz uh, $3,000 in 2022. Well, if Michelle Trotz doesn't show at least $3,000 of income on her income tax return, then we have a problem. That's, there's a mm -hmm. mismatch. So they're making these connections in, in the background. It is our obligation as, as a business to make sure that we do report uh, on this informational tax return, I'll call it this 1099, these monies that we paid these non-employees or independent contractors. It's um, like you mentioned, there's a ton of other different types of 1099s that we'll, we'll discuss briefly, but it's a, it's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I know it can feel overwhelming to folks. And a lot of times I get clients in a panic, especially my newer clients at, you know, a week before to do like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do yeah. <laughs> with um, these contractors? So I, I just plead with those that are listening, you know, the best, um, best practice is before you pay anybody, regardless of their corporation an LLC, a sole proprietor, just get a copy of their W-9. Correct. And the W-9 is another um, federal form that provides the name, address, and social security or federal ID of that business so that we can then determine, does this particular individual or business need to get a 1099? Because not everybody gets a 1099, but it doesn't hurt to get the W-9 because now you're putting that onus on the person, well, I can't pay you. Until you give me this form, it's going to be very hard to chase somebody down January 30th. Hey, got to get these 1099s finished by tomorrow. By yeah. the way, I need all your information. And probably you might not want to report this depending on who you're working with. So I tell people that as well. Don't work with people that don't want to report their income right. because you need to report it because it is an honor policy, but you also reported it on your financials. So mm -hmm. you want to make sure your 1099 matches that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well said. Um, the W-9 is the key to everything. And it's, you know, the W-9 is another uh, IRS form that is a request for information. So if you are asked to submit a W-9, you're obligated to do that. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are then going to receive a 1099 after uh, the end of the calendar year, but it is required if you're asked to submit it. And again, to your point, the W-9 has the official business name, um, even a DBA name is listed on the W-9, as well as the actual address of the recipient, their uh, Social Security or EIN number, whichever they have or use. And then also it asks about the structure. I get a lot of questions mm -hmm. about these W-9 forms because um, as much as the IRS has tried to make them less confusing, 
it just caused some more questions to come up. And I think that's the trickiest part is it asks, well, what are you? Mm-hmm. Are you a C corporation? Are you an S corporation? Are you a partnership? And then it has a, a separate section that says, are you an LLC? And so today there's so many LLCs, right? Because it's such a great business structure, a great way of, of structuring your business and, and gives you that protection, that liability veil, if you will. Um, but once you're an LLC, you can then elect to be taxed as a, as a different type of entity. You can elect to be taxed as a C-Corp, an S-Corp. If you're a multi-member, a multi-owner LLC, by default, you're a partnership. So it asks if you're an LLC. And then at the end of that line, it says, well, what are you taxed as? And you have to fill in the blank, S for s corp. C for C-Corp, P for partnership. And so it's that part that really makes people kind of question, well, am I doing this right? And it's really important that we fill that W-9 out correctly, to your point, Veronica, so because that tells the business, do I need to issue this 1099 to this vendor, this non-employee that I paid more than $600 to in the, in the calendar year? And I should say $600 or more. So it's more than $599 in reality. But that's really the, the, it's a real important piece that, and to your point, that that businesses get these W-9s up front from their vendors. And I love the best practice that you advise the listeners to do. And that is before you pay anybody, just get the W-9, just make it part of your process. Just say, I want to pay you, but I need you to submit this. It takes five minutes to fill it out and get it sent back in. Um, But just make sure you get that uh, for every vendor you pay because you just don't know if by the end of the calendar year, will you exceed that threshold of $599 or not? And then certainly it's that, that structure information that tells us we do have to issue the 1099 or not. And you're right. It's just... We work with our clients, we start in the fall, Mm -hmm. and we get with our clients and we say, okay, here's what it's looking like so far. We still have several months in the year, but these are the ones that you need to make sure you have W-9s on file for, and I would just love it if my my clients were like, well, yep, no problem, I already got all those because I got it before I paid them. (laughs) Exactly. That would be a wish. Um, <laughs> that, would be <laughs> that, that would be nice. And also, I just had an idea, Michelle, we're talking about this. I think another topic we could talk about, which I don't think we have yet, is employee versus independent contractor. I love that. Yes. Um, because I definitely want to just highlight quickly, you know, we talked about who gets a 1099 and we said anyone that you paid over $600 to, um, that is not a corporation. Mm -hmm. Um, So myself, for example, I changed my business to be an LLC tax as an S corporation. So even though I'm an LLC, now I no longer will get a 1099 because I'm taxed as a corporation. So that's a whole nother Um, topic as well. But I also just wanted to say quickly, because this comes up a lot, a couple of key things to think about when you're trying to determine whether a person is an employee or independent contractor. One, does your business control or have rights over what this person does? You know, and Mm -hmm. are you supervising them? Are you providing them equipment, computers, things of that sort? And basically they're in on staff meetings. They're part of every aspect that your other employees are. Um, does your company control the business aspect of the worker's job that like we talked about? Is there a written contract or employee benefits? Um, will this relationship continue? Is this 
you know, a key aspect of the business. So those are things to think about because unfortunately you can be heavily penalized and fined if you're stating someone is a contractor, but really they're an employee. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, Michelle, with your clients, but it does come up from time to time. Yeah, for, for sure. And and you've hit upon some of the, the key topics. And I love that idea of maybe taking a deeper dive in another CPA chat session on employee versus independent contractor. It's it's important to understand the, the nuanced differences. It's a very gray area, but you're right. It, and, and you're right. The IRS and the Department of Labor is is hot on this and has been for quite some time thinking about, you know, well, did you mistakenly characterize somebody as an independent contractor when they should have been an employee? And that is uh, that does come with heavy fines and penalties. You're exactly right. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, let's jump in on some of the popular um, 1099 forms and who those forms go out to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you had mentioned it before, and it's been a few years now, but the IRS uh, went from having one sort of 1099 form that was intended for all of these businesses to issue to their vendors who were unincorporated, um, who they paid more than $599, I keep using that number, $599 to in the calendar year. And, and there was this form called a 1099 miscellaneous form. And it was meant to you know, encapsulate all of these. Well, then a few years ago, they changed it and they split it out to, and it's kind of going back to what they had done years and years ago. But now there's two different forms. There's a 1099 MISC or miscellaneous and a 1099 NEC. The NEC just simply stands for non-employee compensation. And so on the 1099 NEC, you have that form to reflect the amount you paid, $600 or more, in a calendar year to a vendor who is a non-employee. And so you basically paid them to do services that you could have hired somebody to do. I try to equate this to... um, for example, I think I used this example before, but I have um, an IT uh, consultant who helps me and my team with all of our IT systems and security and computers, hardware, software, all the things, <laughs> all the things. And um, and so we pay him and we would need to issue him a 1099 if his business is 1099 applicable, meaning he is unincorporated. And I don't hire him as an employee. So that's an example of something that I'm paying for services I'm receiving or paying for that is some performed by somebody who's not an employee of our organization. So now, Michelle, can I jump in real quick? Yeah. I want to add, you can have both though, right? You can have yes. me that you started off with as a contractor and you paid $10,000 to, and then the back half of the year you hired me on as an employee. So in that case, I would get a 1099 and a W-2. That, that's correct. Although, um, and, and that is completely legitimate and certainly supported by that example that you just gave. But you just want to also exercise a little bit of caution because that is a little bit of a red flag to the IRS. Mm-hmm. When that taxpayer entity receives a 1099 and a W-2 in the same year, the IRS is like, wait a minute, what's going on? Because a lot of times there, there are businesses, we'll call them bad actors, you know, may do the reverse. And maybe it's for legitimate reasons. Maybe it was an employee that then became an independent contractor, and there's legitimate reasons to do that. But some cases, maybe they're looking to cut back costs such as payroll taxes, which would be a no-no, and that is why it raises a red flag to the IRS. 
But you're exactly right. So this NEC is for those non-employee compensations, these independent contractors that you hire to do services. And again, it's just for services, not materials. So it's just services that you paid for during the calendar year versus the 1099 MISC or 1099 miscellaneous form, which now is where typically businesses would report things such as rent, and that is rent you pay to a landlord for a lease, whether it's for your office space or it is for um, a, a warehouse space that you're using and working out of. Um, you're renting a parking lot. I mean, you're renting vehicles. Uh, you're renting equipment. All those things that are rent, with the interesting exception of storage units, as hmm. yeah. <laughs> a little a little niche there, but it's for it's mostly for rent or for um, other types of payments. Sometimes you might get um, uh, other types of uh, I think you know, awards and prizes and things of that nature it may show up on a 1099 miscellaneous form. So, so, Mich so Michelle, with the 1099 NEC and the 1099 miscellaneous both of those are for non-incorporated individuals and entities. Correct. Exactly. Got it. Got it. All right. Lots and, and of great I, information. Yes. And I know the last 1099 that we'll talk about today is the 1099K, which I even was struggling with a little bit last week. I was doing some 1099s and I'm like, I know I paid this person more than what they're showing on the 1099 NEC. And I said, yes. oh, I paid them via a card. So I would love for you to talk about what this 1099K is. Yeah, so you raise an excellent point. So again, the rules for the 1099s are $600 or more to a independent contractor or non-employee for services received and or rent that you paid. And I should also point out, there's another small little exception, and that is attorneys. So all attorneys, regardless of their structure, if you paid them for services, $600 or more in the calendar year, you have to issue them a 1099 as well. But yes, you put, you do all this research in your accounting system, you find out you paid all these specific vendors for these services, and it's, uh, you got the W-9, and you know that this entity is 1099 applicable, I like to call it, so they're unincorporated. And then you realize that in today's world, we don't always pay with cash or check. Now we pay with a credit card or a debit card or Venmo or PayPal. So anything that you paid with cash or check goes on the 1099 that your business would issue. If you paid those vendors with any of these other merchant processor vehicles, that is what the 1099K will report. And the 1099K gets issued by the merchant processor themselves. So the credit card company, your Visa or MasterCard will report to the individuals the 1099 on the 1099Ks the amount of money that was paid to them by the organization through the merchant processor. So it's, it's a little confusing. This year is the last year where the IRS will expect a 1099K where there's been third-party transactions of $20,000 or more or 200 transactions in the year. This year in 2023, which will go on the 1099s we, we do in January of 2024, those 1099Ks will drop down 
to the $600 threshold, just like the other 1099s that we issue. So this is the this is the year it switches. So now any of the contractors or vendors who are paid with a credit card of $600 or more in a calendar year should receive a 1099K from that merchant processor. Wow, Michelle, I have so many questions, <laughs> even as a CPA, on the 1099K, and I'm, I'm definitely going to do some research before we have our next CPA chat, because it still blows my mind. I get it for the credit cards, but I'm still surprised on the debit cards, because I feel like, well, that's so different from a check, you know, or cash, because it comes out, but it's still a merchant server, you know, that's providing the services, so I totally get it, but... I'm so looking forward to talking about that because we have these new changes for 2023. We really want to break it down so people can understand it. Cause I'm sure I've gotten 1099 K's in the mail before. I'm like, what's this, you know, like, and I'm a CPA, but it is. So that's why I'm sharing this. Cause I just want people to know you're not supposed to know these things. Things change all the time. That's why it's important to have a great tax CPA, which me and Michelle are not, but we will <laughs> advise you. <laughs> All the great tax CPA to talk with, but Michelle, yeah. we will definitely have um, a second segment that yes. we can talk more about the 1099K. And there's so many other 1099s, but we definitely wanted to highlight the NEC, the miscellaneous, and the K, especially this time of the year, January, mm -hmm. February, when people are listening to this because it's important and we don't want people starting off the year already feeling like they fumbled. Right, exactly. I mean, it is important, and there are penalties associated for not filing 1099s when you should have. But let's yeah, let's talk more about it next time, the 1099K and the other 1099s. Um, it is an important topic, and we want to help the, the listeners make sure that they can comply appropriately. And luckily, for those that are local to Western North Carolina, um, we do also provide some of this education to the community. So we'll do classes on 1099s, and of course, that topic you mentioned before, employees versus independent contractors. So anywhere that you can find a, a class or a resource, I encourage the listener to, to do that, to go and get as much information as possible. Absolutely. And you can check out Michelle's social media because Michelle teaches. I do as well with Mountain BizWorks. And I know Michelle teaches with some local um, community colleges and um, nonprofits. Yeah. Yes. So thank you. Thank you, um, Michelle, again, for being a part of our monthly CPA chat. I always learn something. I've been getting great feedback that the listeners are learning quite a bit also. So I just want to, again, thank the listeners for tuning into bizradio.us. Please come back, same place, same time, 10 a.m. on Wednesdays for the Veronica Edwards Show. And if you missed the live airing, you can listen to all prior shows at veronicaedwards.buzzsprout.com. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.